0: We are not created for failure, but you and I are created, according to the scripture, you are created for greatness. Can I have an amen? Amen. You are about to birth that greatness in your life that you were destined from. It's all been practiced up till now. It's your turn to birth that miracle. Now, when God began to deal with me, and I'm trying to get this through real quick, God said one of the things ...that the people don't understand is they don't understand what it really means in the area of covenant. You know, I can remember, and I won't mention names, but I can remember when I first started coming into television ministry. I had the privilege of being with two very, very powerful, famous uh, Christian ministers. And I was just, I I mean, nobody ever heard of me. And I don't know why I was there, except it must have been one of those appointed times... And so it was me and these two men standing in the hallway of this facility. And I heard these two guys talking about this guy that used to work for them, suing them, and this guy doing this, and this person doing that. And, and it really confused me. And I said to them, I said, you know what? The church doesn't understand what it means to be in covenant. We use the word But we don't really understand. It's just kind of become a a cliché. And I told these guys, I said, you know, with me, you'll never have to watch your back. Because covenant means, when we make covenant, covenant means that everything in me, this is why I labor and study the word and doctrine, everything in me that I have, I need to put forward to see you become successful. Listen to this. Covenant means to be permanently identified. Covenant means to be totally loyal. Covenant in, in, in Hebrew means it's more sacred than life itself. Covenant means that I need to, before we, we make covenant with someone, we need to count the cost. Now you think about covenant with Jesus. And everything that, that happened with Jesus, and there's, there's no time for me to get into all of this, but everything that Jesus did was a Hebrew or a Jewish sign of what it really meant in covenant. And you think about counting the cost. And you go to where Jesus first shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass. Because he knew what it was going to cost him If he came in covenant with you and I, it wouldn't cost him a few dollars, it wouldn't cost him a few days, it was going to cost Jesus his life. And the Bible says, but then he said, after counting the cost, Father, not my will, but thine be done, and he began to sweat blood, and he began to buy back and redeem us by that blood, this is a man who understood counting the cost of covenant. It means to be permanently connected. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Somebody say never. 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 I I know this upsets a lot of people, but I'm telling you something. Once I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he's not going to leave me. I may walk away from him, but he's going to follow me wherever I go. You may have children or grandchildren that have walked away, or a husband or a wife that walked away. No, I'm walking away. But I'm telling you. He's going to be there, he's going to get them saved, he's going to bring them back to the kingdom. Because he said, I've made covenant and I will never leave. You can run, but you cannot hide. Can I have an amen? Now read with me, when, when the Lord was, was telling, talk to me about this. Most of you have heard the first two parts. God spoke to me and he said, I want you to teach the people covenant by one of the greatest Examples of covenant in all the Bible read with me in first Samuel chapter 18 and this is the covenant between Jonathan and David 18 verse 1 And so it was that when he had finished speaking to Saul That the soul of Jonathan was knit To the soul of David and Jonathan loved him As his own soul and Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Now, I know I said this last week, but I believe this is a prophetic word. From this day on, I'm going to teach you something today. Your life will never be the same. And I believe what I'm going to teach you is so important and so revolutionary and so life-changing that, that no matter what the enemy throws at you, you're never going to have to go back to the way it was before. Oh, I need a better amen than that. I don't believe it's an accident that that I'm going to teach this to you today. It's going to change your life. It's going to defeat the enemy like you've never defeated him before. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that God's giving me this today. And then next Sunday, I'm going to give you that prophetic message of the signs. And what did the rabbi say? When you see the signs, know... I'm about to bring the manifestation of that covenant into every area of your life. Now, look what happened here. Look what happened here. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made covenant. Now, does anybody's Bible say cut covenant? That's the original translation. But because of, because of our English, we've taken that out. Then Jonathan and David cut covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. And so David went out and wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted. In the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants or Saul's officers. In other words, there's something very powerful that's just happened. In in the Mideast, in the days of David and Jonathan, when someone made covenant, they did more than sign a contract. They actually did these things. The first thing we saw, and I'm just going to say this, is they changed robes. They changed identity. David came into the scene with a shepherd's robe, with a beggar's robe, with a poverty robe, with a servant's robe. And, and Jonathan, the prince, took off his robe and placed it on the shoulders of David. So wherever David, before wherever David went, he was a nobody. But when Jonathan put the robe, the royal robe, wherever he went, The soldiers and the officers and the people knew this man is not a nobody, this man is somebody. He's wearing the robes of the kingdom. When Jesus came, the Bible says that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he came as a servant. You know, without getting into too much, remember when Jesus came riding in on the donkey? The people were standing waiting for the Lamb of God. They were waiting for the priest to bring in the Passover lamb. And all of a sudden they see Jesus and they shouted, Hosanna, our king. But then if you read the next verse, it says, they asked him, well, who is this? And they said, well, I think it's the prophet from Nazareth. Well, they just went from Hosanna, our king, our savior to a prophet. Why? Because they were waiting for a king That would come and deliver them from their physical enemy and when Jesus came in they recognized him as the king but he wasn't riding what a king would ride a horse he was riding a donkey what a servant would ride and so in their spirit they said our king our salvation but he's on a donkey like a servant a king would never ride a donkey A king would ride a white stallion, but they forgot that the prophet said, before he comes on a white stallion to deliver us from our enemy, he'll first come as a servant and deliver us from our sin. Our God took off the robes of kingdom and put them on you and I because you are not a nobody, you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. The second thing they did, we taught this last week, was they exchange belts? That's power. They exchange swords. That's weapons. They exchange the 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 bows. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle. We do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. What's this mean? That God has given you the Bible says be strong in the Lord be strong in who and the power of what How many want to be more than a conqueror? We need to learn to use these spiritual weapons It doesn't matter what it is. You have spiritual weapons you have words that you can say. You have attitudes. You have thoughts. You have people around you. This is why the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because one of the things as you look at the, at, at the weapons of our warfare, one of them is the word of God. That's my job. My job is to load your cannon up with all kinds of weapons so when the enemy rises up, we can boom and blow him out of the sky because God said, my word will never come back void. Can I have an amen? The weapons of our warfare are not of this world, but they are mighty in God. Somebody give our mighty God a clap offering. Do you get it? It doesn't matter if you want a baby. It doesn't matter if you need healing and cancer. Our God has given us mighty weapons. Can't happen. It did. Amen? I remember a lady in, in, in our Santa Fe church, they, they, they said, can't have babies. Whatever needed to be in a woman, they said, you're missing it. We said, you know, let's call those things which are not as though they were. Prayed, spoke that word into God. God, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. After the third child, their husband came and said, Pastor, can we stop the blessing? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. She had a name all three of those babies, Larry. No, no, no. So they exchanged identity. They exchanged robes. They exchanged weapons. They exchanged power. They exchanged enemies. Now watch this. Everything that is done physically in covenant, Jesus did. Can you imagine... When they, when they, when, when, when Jesus, man, I'm just trying to get through this. When Jesus, when they were accusing Jesus, the Bible says he could have called a legion of angels. He could have pulled out his hands, feet, called a legion of angels, but he didn't. Why? He said, he's going to send us angels, which are ministering spirits. And I don't have time to teach this today, but how, how many times have we been taught in church? That God exchanged weapons. We have angels... I don't know about you, but I send angels with my grand sugars every day. I say angels with my children. I send the angels to the north, the south, the east, and the west who are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. That is you. I send the angels. When we pray over the letters that come in and the emails and we pray over the offering, we send the angels out to the north, south, east, and the west that will lead you and guide you and bring you in your blessing. Folks, he gave up the angels so we can use the angels. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now watch this. He, he counted the cost in the garden. Father, if it be s- some other way, let this... P- he counted the cost. And then he was beaten and we won't get... I don't have time this morning to go into all the blood. And what was sacrificed, but that was what was happening in the Holy of Holies. They would sprinkle the blood seven times. Then when they hung him on the cross, they took his robe... Everybody knew that when the Messiah came it would not just come for the, for the Jews but for the Gentiles. And they took off Jesus' robe and they watched these Romans gamble and watched Gentiles walk away with this king of the Jews' robes. When Abraham was the first one to make covenant, when Abraham made covenant with God, God split the covenant in half, one on the right and one on the left, and God stood between the two sacrifices. Here Jesus is hanging on the cross as our covenant sacrifice between the thief on the right, the thief on the left. We can go on and on and on about all the things that are familiar, but here's the one I want to give you. When when, when David and Jonathan, or any man, would cut covenant, they would not only make a sacrifice, but they would cut covenant amongst themselves. And what two men would do if they were going into covenant, what two men would do is they would take a knife, and they would slice their hand open. Each one would do that, and then once they sliced it open, they would take ash from the fire and rub it in the wound so the wound would never totally close but show a scar and so the wound would be darker than the rest of the skin now why is that well you've got to understand that in the times of Jesus it was very dangerous times this is why we have walled cities this is the story of the camel through the eye of the needle Come dark, they would close the gates to the city where people were so that bandits couldn't sneak up in the dark and rush in and rob everybody. And so they would have a little gate where whether you're rich or poor, animal, camel, man, whatever had to get on its knees and get under there so they couldn't be, couldn't be rushed and couldn't be destroyed and couldn't be robbed. It was very dangerous. But not only was it dangerous in the cities, but as you traveled from city to city, There were vast amounts of robbers and thieves and murderers. So you're riding or walking down the road. And all of a sudden you see someone coming. Let's say first off, the one you see coming is the one you made covenant with. You would take that hand and you would lift it up. And you would say to that person, maybe you hadn't seen him in a year. Maybe you hadn't seen him in five years. But you lift up that hand with that scar on the palm of your hand. And you would say, no matter how it's going for you, no matter what you're going through, I am still in covenant with you. I am still in relationship with you. Your enemies are my enemies and everything in me will make sure that you are successful. Maybe a friend has, this is what happened with the prodigal son. That father never forgot the son. That father stood on the steps every day for years and years and years waiting for one who he had covenant with in the blood and in the flesh. And when he saw his son, instead of allowing them to keep him off the land, he ran to him. That's what covenant is. Covenant is permanent. Covenant is more important than life and death. It doesn't matter. I'm not just in covenant with you when you're going well. I'm in covenant with you because I gave you my word. But watch this. you got to understand, everything we're learning in the New Testament has come out of the old. Why does God say to you and I, when you come into my house, lift up your hands. Remember, Jesus was circumcised in the flesh so that we could be circumcised in the heart. When you come into God's house, lift up your hands. If somebody was riding down the road, and all of a sudden they see four, five, ten men coming, and they didn't recognize those men, and they look like they're by themselves, he would hold up his hand and show the scar. And in showing that to these strangers, he is saying... It may look like I'm by myself, but I have those that I am in covenant with. And if you mess with me, you're messing with them. If you touch me, they will seek revenge. That's why Jesus, God said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. So why does God tell us to lift up our hands? Every Sunday when we come in, every Wednesday, every Monday... When you lift up your hands, you are saying to God, I'm still in covenant. And I know that no matter what I'm going through, you're going to be there for me. But watch this. You are saying to the devil, you think you got me. But look at the palms of my hands. I am in covenant. With Jehovah Jireh, with Jehovah Sitkanu, and my God is greater than anything. So when you lift up your hands, you are reminding yourself, you are telling the devil, I understand covenant, and you cannot defeat me. It may look like I'm by myself, but I am not by myself. I've got an army of angels. I've got the blood of Jesus. Somebody clap those covenant hands. Now watch this. Let me close with this. How many have seen the movie The Passion? How many remember what Jesus looked like? Do you remember what he looked like? He was beaten as no other man's been beaten. He was horribly, horribly ripped apart. But after the resurrection, the Bible says that he's walking down the road with the disciples and they didn't recognize him. Now if he was still beaten and he was still defeated and he was still broken like he like he was when they put him in the tomb when he, when he hung on the grave they would have known who he was but they didn't recognize him because they thought he was dead and in him being dead they thought their future was over but as he's walking with them he looks at him and says put your finger right there he came to thomas And he said, Thomas, it's me. It's me. And Thomas says, it can't be you. See, the Lord's coming to you right now and saying, your your kids need salvation and God is saying, it's me. Your finances need resurrection. It's me. The doctor told you you got cancer. He's saying, it's me. He's saying, you can't have a baby. It's impossible. No, no, it's me. Thomas, it's me. And he said, Thomas, give me your finger. And he put Thomas's finger in the hole in the palm of his hand. Do you know that as he's in heaven, the only man-made thing in heaven are the nail prints in the palms of Jesus' hand? Why? He said, I counted the cost. He said, I gave up my robe. He said, I let him put the palm of my hand to a nail. And I am telling you, greater is he that's in you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you down. Put your finger in the palm of my hand. You're not going under. You're going over. Somebody shout amen. Stand with me all over the building. Stand with me. Listen to this. He's already taken the robe and put it on your shoulders. He's already walked the power of Almighty God between the two sacrifices. They've already seen the Gentiles leave with the robe of royalty. He's already said, you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. He's already counted the cost and said, it's worth it. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. But the thing I want you to remember is whenever you feel... Like you see the enemy coming after you, and he's outnumbering you, and he's stronger than you, and he's bigger than you. I want you every day when you lift up your hands, I want you to remember that you have a covenant with Almighty God, and he will never leave you and never forsake you. What does the scripture say? It says, a mother may birth a son and forget him. A mother... May birth a son, and that son goes bad, and she forgets him. But God said, can I forget you? Never, because you are engraved in the palm of my hand. God has a covenant. From now on, from now on, When the devil says you're going to lose, when the devil says you're going to fail, when the devil says it can't happen, I want you to lift up holy hands, holy covenant hands, without wrath. Father, I battle not with flesh and blood and without doubt, but mighty are my weapons. And I'll never forget that I have a covenant with you. And everything in you is to see me fulfill the greatness that you have destined me for. You are a world changer, and there's a covenant that cannot be erased. Now give God a covenant clap offering right now.